Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. I hope you all had a great 4th of July. We had plenty of fireworks here, courtesy of the neighbors, and despite a citywide ban. I hope you'll forgive me for taking the day off, family first, and I figured most of you would be similarly occupied and not that interested in politics for the day. On that note, though, I should mention that one perk of the new Every Other Daily schedule is that we will frequently have Saturday episodes now, rather than that being a permanent off day. All right, we've got a lot of UBI, four-day week, and media news to cover. Let's dig in. Quick shout out to our Tier 3 patrons, Shay Meehan and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. Last episode, we had apocalyptic lightning storms. Today, we have an oil rig accident lighting the ocean on fire, which Scott aptly likened to a kaiju emergence point. Seriously, check it out in the link. Looks like a volcano. Between the hurricanes, heat waves, lightning storms, and oil geysers, it's starting to feel like the end times daily. Never a better time to live every day as though it may be all of our last, I suppose. Oh, and apparently Canada hit their all-time high temperature of 124 degrees Fahrenheit in Lighton, right around the time the wildfire burned Lighton's main street to the ground. Pay no attention to the climate change behind the curtain. Everything is fine. A new social media study reported by PNAS News provides some numbers in support of the unfortunate phenomenon that we are all too familiar with, the popularity of negativity online. The analysts found that from a sample of almost 3 million social media posts from politicians and news accounts, that the biggest predictor of virality was a post being about the user's outgroup. That is, content which was about a group the user is opposed to, especially those disparaging that outgroup, are most likely to be shared. Positive sentiments decreased the probability of being shared. Great. Similarly, Facebook conducted a survey of users in which they asked whether certain posts were good for the world or bad for the world, a massively subjective matter to be sure, but still instructive. The survey found that bad content correlated with more views and interactions. In response, the team created an algorithm to demote bad content and promote good content in news feeds. The solution achieved its goal but was soon dialed back when it was found that favoring good content was decreasing usage of Facebook. Of course, that also means decreasing profit. It's clear which wins out when profit conflicts with benefiting humanity. As another example, in the wake of Trump's war on democracy waged with misinformation about the election, Facebook decided to increase the weight of their news ecosystem quality scores. This is an internal scoring system the company applies to news based on the quality of journalism. Supposedly, it favored well-sourced and factually correct outlets like NPR or the Wall Street Journal over less scrupulous ones like Breitbart or Occupy Democrats in the news feeds. If it functioned as advertised, it would be very much what I want to see more of, but it has since been discontinued despite employees pushed to make it permanent. The reason for that is likely the same as for that of the good-bad algorithm and of another system called Correct the Record, which retroactively notified users when they share false facts about COVID and directed them to correct information. 
Many employees wanted to expand this to other forms of misinformation, but this was rejected. According to two people involved in the discussions, it was rejected due to expectations that it would disproportionately impact right-wing users. In other words, Facebook was afraid to correct misinformation because they might be called partisan. Reminds very strongly of Manchin refusing to defend democracy for fear of being partisan. To be clear, a political party embracing misinformation as their platform does not justify abandoning reality. Facebook's Integrity Executive claims that the decision was more to do with the tool being less effective than hoped for, though that doesn't really explain why it would be removed. The obvious answer is usually the correct one. In this case, whatever harms the bottom line has gotta go. Having economic incentives aligned with social media sharing, which is in turn aligned with negativity and tribalism, it shouldn't be surprising that civilization is eroding around us. This dynamic is contributing strongly to the rabid partisan tribalism, which is eroding truth and democracy. Something in this chain needs to change. Disconnecting economic incentives from social media virality would probably be undesirable, not to mention impractical for the general populace, but doing so for media companies themselves seems the reasonable approach. That and regulations to enforce factual accuracy. I also have a confession to make. I had to check that PNAS News was not a joke account. They'll be my go-to source for reproductive science from now on. In UBI news, Santa Fe's city council have approved a basic income pilot for 100 parents enrolled as students at Santa Fe Community College. The $500,000 program will provide $400 a month for one year. Research conducted by the college confirms that money is the primary barrier to graduation, especially for parents who make up about a third of SFCC's student population. The college will encourage eligible students to apply for the program from which participants will be randomly selected. And in much bigger news, the G20, more or less the world's 20 largest economies, put together a group called the Think20 to produce practical policy proposals for G20 decision makers. Guess which policy they recommended? They have called on world leaders to implement what they call a global citizen income to tackle poverty and unemployment. Strangely, I have not been able to locate any further details on this beyond the name, but past endorsements from the UN lead me to believe that this is truly a recommendation for UBI on a global scale, which, you know, is pretty much the dream. I'll keep an eye on it. This is huge. In other economic news, Iceland recently concluded the world's largest and longest four-day week trials running from 2015 to 2019 with over 2,500 workers reducing work hours with no reduction in pay. As usual, the result for all participating was equal or increased weekly productivity for the businesses and improved health and morale for workers. Involved workplaces included offices, play schools, hospitals, and social services. The trials came after pressure from trade unions and civil society groups and are now leading to permanent changes. An estimated 86% of Iceland's entire workforce now have reduced hours or flexibility within their contracts to do so. The trials were designed to be revenue neutral for the government. This is the biggest proof yet that much of the workforce can gain 50% more free time while benefiting employers as well. 
employees get more time to live freely, and employers get happier, healthier employees, equal or better productivity and quality of work, and a huge edge over competitors in the labor market. There is no reason not to do this in all countries. Enlighten your political representatives, employers, and fellow employees to the facts. This is a win for everybody. It's time to live a bit more civilized. Finally, it seems that we have a treat coming our way. Scott, the tease that he is, has revealed that he has his hands on a manuscript or a book from a certain figure of mutual interest among us. And, nerd that he is, he has shared the most important details that the table of contents contains Star Wars and Lord of the Rings references. Consider my interest peaked. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share the Canadian temperature record, the oil geyser, the social media threads, the Santa Fe basic income, the global citizen income, the four-day week trials, and Yang's new book, Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the resist bot or income movement easy contacts below. If you need help, consult Humanity Forward, the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way. And don't forget to Yang Daily.